Hello and welcome to this Mecca March special episode of the Retro Mecca podcast. I'm your host Ian and as always I'm here with Greg. Say hello Greg. Hi, how are you doing? Uh, not too bad. So this is a, a very special episode, the first of hopefully some annual episodes that we're mm-hmm. going to do. Uh, so Mecha March, something started by Scott um, at Mech Anime Review on Twitter a few years ago and, and others have got involved in it. So we wanted to do this last year, but through a variety of things, we never kind of got ourselves organised, but yeah. uh, we're doing it this year, aren't we? So, <laughs> Absolutely, um, yeah. We're going to jump in with both feet this year with a, a few different uh, little projects. Yeah, so we're going to um, combine sort of all of our creative outlets um, for Mecha March this year, so... We're going to do this podcast. Lewis and I are going to do a retro anime special for this. And Craig's going to do uh, something on his blog, Anime Heads Retro World. And then we're going to do stuff on the blog for this podcast. We're going to wrap it all up under the title of Retro Mecha Anime World. So that will be our Umbrella Mecha March title for uh, all the stuff that we do. So we'll space it out through March and then it's all there. Hopefully then set up ready to do again next year Mm -hmm. in the years uh, to come. Yeah, United Front of Mega Content. <laughs> That's it, exactly, exactly. So, uh, so obviously, doing the stuff we do, we will obviously focus on the uh, the retro part of um, Mecha Anime. So, obviously, anywhere between the sort of seventies and the mid nineties, the uh, areas or the uh, the years that we normally cover. So, we'll we'll kind of stick to that sort of mission mm-hmm. statement, like we do with with all our other content. Cool. So, this episode is going to be a class of nineteen eighty seven. OVA retrospective. So we are going to review Relic Armor, Legisium, Demon Frontier, Ladeus, and Good Morning Althea. Interestingly, these were all released within a three-week window at the end of 1987. So all three of these are relatively obscure uh, OVAs, and only Ladeus got a VHS release in the UK. I'm not sure whether it got any sort of release in the US. I can't find whether it did or not, but it definitely got a VHS release back in the 90s um, from Western Connection and never ever saw the the uh, DVD days or anything since. Yeah. So, yeah, very relatively obscure. So, Craig, um, I think only Legacium is the, the only one of these you'd seen previously That's to this. That's true, yes. Uh-huh, yeah. I think that um, it was almost... Uh, it wasn't even that long ago that I watched Legacium, actually. It was um, probably about uh, just off two years ago or something like that. And yeah, it's it's it is the only one of the three. I hadn't no idea that uh, Ladius had had a, a VHS release in the UK. I thought I knew all the Western Connection stuff that had come out, but clearly there was some obscure stuff in the racks <laughs> that I missed out on. That's the thing about back in the day, you know. It's if sometimes if a release came out and you you kind of couldn't get your hands on it, you were you were knackered really. <laughs> yeah, and, and we've talked about this before. You know, the mm-hmm. really small distribution labels. You know, their their distribution network was really really small and you just mm. you just wonder how far out of london some of their mm. releases got you know so yeah because uh, we had a big virgin mega store which was reasonably good in reading uh, which covered a lot of stuff but yeah there's there's loads of stuff in the years later you found like oh blimey, i never knew that came out on vhs yeah you know, it just never ever saw it on a shelf in a shop somewhere so absolutely and you know the <laughs> thing is i mean i bought uh things like manga mania uh every month anime uk sometimes as well all that was a bit harder to get so i thought i had a pretty good handle on pretty yeah. much every yeah. uk title and i actually um you know went back and kind of delved through a lot of these old mags and stuff since and you know picked up a lot of things. So it's it's interesting. I know there's still stuff out there we didn't know about that came out in the VHS era. 
Yeah, likewise, because I got Manga Mania UK every month as well. And um, yeah, you'd like to think reading that they were coming out. But yeah, it was obviously just stuff that got missed or a part of an article you didn't read or something, you know, you I skimmed over. About, and, yeah. You know, and you just missed it. So it always surprises me the stuff that actually came out in um, mm. in the 90s and, and what you did and didn't get. So uh, yeah, I, I first watched um, Legacium in the late 2000s. Um, Legacium and Ledius were uh, mentioned in the Super Robot Chronicles. Interestingly, Althea wasn't. Hmm. So, But it is in the one of the later books, so I wonder if it was just kind of missed in that first one. The uh, 2004 version does actually cover it as well. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's just, just one of those things. Again, it's very, very obscure, um, hmm. AVA. Uh, I so, admit I hadn't actually heard of that one until recent years. That was one that had passed me by until quite recently. Yeah, so I sought out... Legacium and uh, Ladius back in the, the late 2000s and, and watched them then. And um, Good Morning Althea, I discovered early in the decade, well, early in the sort of 2010s in a list, some sort of random list on the internet and then sort that out. So, yeah, so that was probably about eight years ago, something like that, that I saw it. So, um, yeah, and I've seen them a few times over the years and then again for this podcast. So I've kind of seen all three of these a reasonable mm. amount, I, I would say. So, uh, so right. So, there's our background with these. So, mm-hmm. uh, we'll get into our first review. first review today is Relic Armor Legacium. This is a one episode OVA released on the 28th of November 1987. Its director and original creator was Hiroyuki Kitazumi. Um, This was actually a bit of a passion project for him because he also did some of the character design, he was the animation director, he did the mecha design and some of the other mechanical design as well. He'd done the first episode of Genesis Survivor Gaiath, Mole Diver, the Starlight Angel segment of Roman Carnival, um, had lots and lots of animation director credits and also did uh, some of the character design for Arutsuki Dorji um, as well, the the original OVA for that. Um, so like I say, very much a passion project for him. Screenplay was by Akinori Endo, storyboards were by Tomomi Mokizuchi, music was by Tatsumi Yano, other character designers were Akihiko Yamashita also did uh, character designs on the original Urutsuki Doji OVA um, and did some uh, character design work on the later Ghibli films as well. And also uh, doing character design was Atsushi Yamagata. Yukihisha Fujita also did mechanical designs. It was produced by Kadokawa Shoten and distributed by Bandai Visual. Planet Libertia. Professor Grace and his granddaughter Alcia live a quiet existence until their home is attacked by members of the Guild. 
an organisation looking for a suit of armour discovered by the Professor years before, known as Legassium, which contains a unique power the Guild needs to further its plans. Alcia is forced to flee in Legassium, and with the help of her friends, attempts to rescue her grandfather from their clutches. Right, so we'll get into the review itself. I think the first thing you have to address with when reviewing Legassium is the fact that it's an unfinished OVA. Mm. Yeah, and it's very, very clear to anyone viewing that without doing any research. You know, you, you can just tell from the story. Yeah. I remember reading, and I can't find the source, that it was meant to be a three-part OVA. Mm. The Super Robot Chronicles doesn't actually mention anything like that. It's got a very brief description of actually kind of the sort of key characters in the story. The flashcard at the very end of the credits that says see you again mm. obviously you know very clear that. message that it alludes to that um you know and it's quite clear the way the story well the way the story ends in this first episode or mm-hmm. in this first part of the story that it's heading off to go and absolutely do continue the story in in a in a second part it kind of it kind of feels like the first act of a three-act structure so we'll talk well. about that more as we kind of talk about the story a little bit mm. You know, in sure. general, and we we get to that that stage. I think it's a great bit of world building in this first episode because mm. you know you Definitely. get this um, little bit at the beginning talks about you know there was this kind of deathly planet and they put up these three space mirrors that kind of you know provided this energy which kind of rejuvenated mm-hmm. the planet and, and made it prosper. But then you've got this tower. And it's just referred yeah. to as it's very mysterious, mysterious tower. tower, which is emitting a sound, which is getting louder, and you know, cause and there's these heat waves that come and go, you know, and it's a very interesting mm-hmm. sort of backstory. Um, uh, you Absolutely, know. yeah, it sort of sets a very kind of interesting backdrop to everything that happens with the main characters, and this sound that's getting louder starts to drive people insane, yeah. doesn't it? And there's like. And they're kind of considered like a comms, kind of like a lower class. Yeah. These people who are sort of suffering mental health problems. Yeah, and there's this very sort of clear sort of tier system within the population in this in this mm-hmm. mega city, and it's affecting the lower people. But obviously, the the people higher up within you know the hierarchy of this of this population mm-hmm. are concerned it's going to get to them next, you know, and it will affect everyone. Yeah. Um, and then you've got this sort of backstory of a research expedition to the tower, which like five mm-hmm. years previously, which had gone wrong um, and ended in disaster, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then ultimately ties all of the characters in this story together. Um, yeah. So quite neatly, I think it's quite, it's quite well, well done the way it kind of yeah. unfolds. And I, and I just really, really think it's a, a brilliant bit of, you know, scenario building and world building. It's quite clear kind of, mm what it is and it sets up you know we talk about this a lot with our reviews and and you know the series that are really good which is where it creates that mystery it creates that like yeah there's something it tantalizes you know with a few details and it's like you want to know more which this story i think does mm. really really well very much so it kind of leads you sort of uh leads you by the nose to sort of you know want to sniff out the rest of the yeah. mystery so to speak it's because it, the tower is very much shrouded in mystery. You know, you don't know its origins or anything no. like that. You know, it's not. It's only its effects on the population and all. It doesn't really tell you much about where it came from, who made it, no. you know, for what purpose. So that's 
that is a sort of really intriguing part, which I'm sure they were going to elaborate on in future episodes. Had the production, you know, we only see a few glimpses of the tower. So the story starts off and we see this sort of farm, you know, in this scene in the country, and we get introduced to sort of the first few of our main characters, Blick, Dorothy, Mm -hmm. and Alcia. And, uh, you know, Blick, they're kind of living this simple life outside of the city. Um, Mm -hmm. Alcia, she lives with her grandfather and he's working on this mecha suit, the the Legacium. and only she can fit in it. You know, it's one of these things that you learn later on. It's designed for very small people and it's not designed for men in particular. Yeah, it's designed for sort of young, young females. Young females, yeah. yes. The grandfather, he's doing a, a power-up um, sequence or he's testing the Legacium with Alcia in it and then they get attacked and Alcia escapes and the grandfather gets gets captured. And that then sort of kick-starts, you know, the whole part of the story mm. and, and everything yeah because Alcia is kind of trapped in the suit initially yes, isn't yeah. she you know, she can't actually get out of it so she enlists the kind of help of her friends uh, Zeno and Sahara these older guys yeah. who seem to be the only ones outside of the guild who know stuff about suits and how they yeah. work besides the professor you know because like you say they, this neatly brings all the characters who were involved in that expedition yeah. together and, um, and building up to that so they go and find Zero and Sahara. But that scene where they kind of have to kind of sneak and break into the city effect when they get past the checkpoint with the Legersium with Alcia locked inside it is, you know, I think that's a fantastic initial action scene. So they've got this transporter. Mm. Dorothy uses her feminine wiles to kind of sweet talk the checkpoint guard and gets past. Yeah, sort of crying saying you know I, I need to get to this to this uh, checkpoint within a certain time otherwise I'm going to be in big trouble so he lets them through and then the XA reveals that there's a, a mech suit sort of sat in, in the you know stored in the back of this uh, mm. trailer and then raises the alarm and then there's a big police pursuit until they get to and that's mm. a brilliant scene and then Zero and Sahara you know come to their rescue sort of thing um, mm-hmm. really really yeah. good action scene quite interesting in there i think is is it's some of it's quite goofy you know the police faces and mm. the way the police crash and the, the, you know the bickering yeah. of the, between the policeman in the car that's quite it's um it is the characters are very expressive in yeah. general you know like they they have there's real attention to detail in the um expressions and the characters faces i would say like there's, there's some scenes where there's quite subtle movement from one expression mm. to another that's quite well done, and like you say, there are some exaggerated sort of bits as yeah, well. Yeah, I think that's um, it's quite interesting how that you know they have that kind of goofiness, um, and mm. as it goes on from there, Blick and Dorothy explain the story to, to um, Zero and Sahara, who then kind of help them and have to kind of get them out of the city again, and you know, and, and head to the the tower. And we get introduced to Felmis, who's the sort of mm. main. Um, antagonist, antagonist isn't she really um, yeah but again in a sort of clever bit of character development you're not quite sure whether she's good or bad do you yeah exactly so there's this council meeting where it's revealed that she is not the kind of top of the organization yeah. you know she's just the kind of another member and so they're discussing the plans of what to do with the legacium and the legacium has a unique power that lets it withstand mm, heat that's right and um, though they have these heat-resistant trailers, it's kind of giving you, you know, they're attached to sort of vehicles. It gives you the sort of idea that 
they can go so far, but maybe the Legacium can actually yeah. get right to yes. the tower, which is why they yeah. need it uh, to stop like the sort of you know the upper echelons kind of slowly going insane. And everybody being like those lower classes who've already been affected by it. Yeah, that's right. Because she's very ruthless in her pursuit of the um, Legacium. Mm. Um, but she wants to save the city. And she's, you know, she's up against, as you say, this council who, um, who are very resistant to get involved with the tower and, and go and investigate it. And they should mm. just kind of sit in the city and do what they can to protect themselves. Felmus mm. is interesting because it was her father who was the the lead of the expedition that kind of went wrong That's five right. years before, where they actually found the Legacium. Um, and mm-hmm. and if her father died, yeah. didn't he? So that's kind of part of her motivation as well. It, and it, that kind of muddies the waters slightly as to, you know, whether she's she's a good guy or not. The thing is, is she doesn't want the professor to die no. either. They abduct the professor, and she does seem to have a bit of respect yes. for him, even if she's not entirely in agreement with him. You know, she doesn't seem to want him to come into any yeah. harm. So it's there is that sort of thing that she does have morals. She's not she's not an out out bad yeah. guy. She's not she's not a kind of scenery no, no, sort she's of villain. No. You know, not a megalomaniac. She does have some humanity in her. So she so because of that kind of shades of grey, this is what makes it a really good OVA because it's it's got a lot of characterization for like an OVA that clocks in it under fifty yeah, minutes. Oh, I, I think it does. I think it's very very good. And even like an Alcia, so. Elsa goes through this kind of tra- initial trauma when she uh, mm. escapes the initial attack by the by the guild, um, and she gets released out of the Legacium. But then she has to go back in it to kind of escape the city and you know and head yeah, to the tower sort of thing. Because mm-hmm, I mean, as previously established, they're the only the, you know sort of small girls, the only sort of uh, you know body mm. type that can kind of pilot it. So so. Zeno and Saharo actually need her in this kind of mission to not only get the uh, the sort of prof back, but to you know to like actually see if they they can sort of just get out of the situation they're in. Really, and I quite like the way it kind of shows like this level, this kind of PTSD she has after the trauma mm. of the, her first battle in it and getting stuck in it, and you know she does eventually get in it, and they hatch this between them all. They hatch this plan to use these underground tunnels to to get out mm. of the city and you know still one of these heat resistant trucks to to head towards the tower and that again leads up to a great sort of action sequence in this as well where mm. they where zero goes and runs riot in another mech suit um in a shopping mall or whatever to distract them while they, yeah. they run out but that fell miss is kind of yeah, one step ahead of her yeah. <laughs> the guild have like uh Felmus has a um has like a kind of yeah. underling who's like another sort of like a suit user who's kind of like the sort of guy that um that Zeno sort of faces off against which is which is quite a good scene as well Dars Arya he's called isn't that's it he? yeah yeah he's kind of like a sort of lieutenant yeah. if you like he, you know he's the kind of henchman of uh Thelmus, who's the sort of tough guy one who's like you know I'm gonna take you down and if it was a video game I guess he'd be the final boss <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and there's obviously this this real rivalry between you know, and they and they face off between each other. Um, so uh, it's uh, and that's and you know they they end up in this cavern, don't they? They've kind of got mm. this sonic can, um, cannon set up, you know, and, and Zero is like, "Oh, what are you doing? Firing this, uh, you know, firing this in this cavern sort of thing." You know, it's quite a big, powerful cannon, but it's it just looks great. You know, it's quite fluid. 
Um, yeah, and it has this really interesting kind of like effect on it where it kind of almost looks like it's sort of it. It kind of looks almost like it's kind of like disrupting the sort of air. Yeah, and, that's right. You know, it's, yeah. it's kind of like a pixely yeah. effect. Uh, that looks that looks really cool, and and that's the thing is about a lot of these OVAs. A lot of them have such great effects yeah. work and such attention to detail that you you get kind of you know it's they're just so interesting to look at even in the sort of uh, smaller sort of aspects. And ultimately, you know, Zeno he uh, defeats or kind of gets the better of darts, and he uh, they escape. They get in. They get to the truck, and then they they head off. And the final scene of the OVA is them heading off. You know this. You know it's like the start of the fellowship. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like the sort of beginning of the quest, yeah. if you like. So, in a, again, as we were talking about that three act structure, you know, it kind of feels like you know maybe had it went on to do a second episode, that that would have been you know find out a little bit more about the tower, and uh, and that sort of stuff, you know. So I think that. It would have had a really neat, nice three-act structure, and it would have been like, quite an quite an interesting story. It's a real shame that this didn't get continued. Yeah, I completely way. agree because you can see this as like establishing the story. It's established the background. It's established the need, characters. the characters, the need why they have to go to the tower. Yeah, so they they have this sort of high heat problem every year, and this sound, and it's all getting worse. Yeah, and it's all linked to this tower, mm. which we know very little about. So. I can imagine the second episode is they would have got to the tower and, you know, you'd have mm-hmm. learned the secret of the tower and whatever. And then the third episode would have been how they kind of stop this inevitable sort of mm. disaster that's heading their way and, and save the city. Impossible further, yeah. and, impossible you know, further they would have saved from the guild and stuff as well, you know? Yeah. And, and ultimately they would have saved the, the, the city and civilization, you know, so you can you could see how it would have played out, and it's just you know it's just an absolutely crying shame that it never um, you know got completed. And I absolutely I've, I've searched and searched and searched, and I cannot find a reason why you know it didn't get completed. But it's one of those things you never know. You know, mm, could have been sales, could have been just sales videos at you know, the time. It was or... distributed by Bandai and produced by Kadokawa Shoten, so it had big companies behind it. So. Mm. It's not like, Absolutely. you know, a lack of distribution or whatever, but at the same time, it might have been the fact that, you know, their expectations of what sales and mm. whatever were going to look like would have been higher than a smaller distributor. So, Absolutely. I mean, we talked in the intro about, um, you know, the fact that in the UK, um, some of these smaller distribution chains and stuff meant that you couldn't necessarily get tapes into people's hands in certain places. They didn't really have that problem. So I guess that... It's just a case of the look of the draw and whether fans responded yeah. to to the content. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, back in the back in the OVA times and in Japan, you know, it, it was a lot to do with rentals because they didn't sell direct to Otaku, yeah. did they? They, they sent, sold them to rental chains. So I guess it's all been a case of whether that cover art appeals to, yeah, to somebody definitely. browsing yeah. in the store, really. Because 87 was quite a crowded year, for uh, OVA, he said Dell Power X, Dead Heat. You know there was, you know, in the in that mm. mecca space, it was a, it was you know mm. the stuff that we've talked about, Dangayo and, um, mm-hmm. and and all that sort of stuff as well. So yeah, it was a very very crowded space, um, and you sometimes wonder if it was just maybe a bit too crowded at the time. Yeah, as absolutely. Well. Yeah, because I mean, this is in content wise, as we've discussed, you know, it's a really good OVA, but. 
if somebody's not picking that up off the shelf, you know, who knows what its kind of legacy becomes and whether it's uh, actually, um, you know, going to be remembered. You know, even in, even in Japan, it's it's at the end of the day, it was just the luck of the draw, wasn't yeah, it? Really? Yeah, yeah. And it's a real shame because it's it's a really good OVA. I think, I, you know, mm. as we said, yeah, it's really absolutely. good. You know, really interesting story, really interesting bit of world building, great character development, mm. great character interactions. Well paced, well paced, yeah, you know, yeah, and and the mecha design is yeah. excellent as well. I really like the mecha design in this so much so that uh, I kind of wish you know that um, there was uh, there was some sort of a Legacium uh, model kit or yeah. action figure around because it's kind of an understated design, it is, I think. yeah, but a very it, cool one. I don't know. It's like it's it's something about like the kind of it's it's something about the shape of it and its its head. Like it's it's. Nothing like stands out as massively like original, but it just looks sort of slender and cool. There's something about I know that exactly what you mean. I really like. It is one of these things as well. If if you look at again where it was in end of eighty seven and all the the mm. mecha anime, not just OVAs, but all the TV stuff that Sunrise, Ashi, and you know mm. Tatsunoko and all the other production studios were producing, it's it's nothing particularly original or outstanding but it is just a cool design yeah um, yeah i really like the design of it and i think that the enemy mechas mm. as well they're quite interesting because i would say there's a bit of an insectile yes look to there's some very of them. very you know, much like... i feel i feel legacium is there's very much a bit of dumb bean about it mm. yeah yeah even though it's not really clearly established as any sort of like um biomechanical design they do have like something about them that kind of looks that way uh the the heads particularly mm. and and the the enemy mecha have these really kind of long mm. necks and small yeah. heads um which are which are quite unusual the bodies are really bulky but the heads are quite small and sort of you know they have these these big long angular necks which are yeah because they are particularly bug-like um aren't mm. they as very much so yeah and xenos i mean you notice it in the very open and scene because it's because the very opening scene where they're surveying the farmhouse, there's there's a lot of close-ups of the sort mm. of head and neck as the kind of, you know, the sort of scanning and looking for the legacium and stuff. And it, immediately in those first few frames, you get the... I was like, oh, these are really interesting designs from, you know, from the first opening kind of frames. I was like, all right, I'm I'm interested yeah, in this. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and um, Zeno's as well. Um, his, uh, his blue suit's really cool. Mm. Um, yeah and Darzarius is pretty good too so you've got like you know across the board pretty good designs I would say on this and then the mechanical designs of things like the trailers yeah. and stuff are quite quite good as well yeah so all all across it it's um it's kind of top drawer I would say in terms of its if it's actual um you know the the skill of design a lot of works went into this and it looks yeah really definitely good. and one of the things I quite like and it's it's uh an aspect of 80s mecha animation um that you kind of don't see anymore but it was a very much a thing of the 80s is um is when you see them through the visor and you get the slight discoloration mm. from the from the tint in the visor so you know everything goes yeah. either slightly yellow or slightly pink there's lots of shots of that mm. in this and i and i love that aesthetic you know i really really dig yeah. it it's um i i do as well i think that you're whether it's a sort of mechanical suit or whether it's a kind of hero who has a visor and stuff like it, that just always looks really yeah. good. It's um, and I love POV shots mm. as well. You know, when you see like POV cockpit shots and stuff like that, 
whether it's and again it doesn't matter if it's a mecha anime if it's like a car anime or something like that you know yeah um it's just those pov things can look really cool at times and and just like you know the amount of detail on instruments and yes readouts yeah. and that sort of thing is just that era was just the best for that it, it is and it's a really really good example of it as well because it all those really cool 80s late 80s mecha aesthetics and details it's it's full of it um um, mm. You know, and nice character designs as well. Kind of very sort of standard eighties, quite soft looking characters. Um, yeah, quite distinctive. Absolutely, yeah. And not particularly sexualized no. for any of the sort of female characters. You know, they are very young, and it's kind of you know, it's it's sort of um, you know, they're made to be more cute than anything. Yeah. You know, which is actually quite actually quite a departure for this type of thing. Which often you do kind of see mm. that. Especially in the late '80s, you do kind of see that sexualization a bit before. So, you know, it's quite a welcome mm. absenteeism. You know, mm. uh, I'd agree with that. Yeah, you know, not to see that kind of uh, sexualization that you that you normally see in something like this. Um, yeah, the animation in general is is very very nice. Um, you know, mm. it's generally high. There are a few shortcuts. I think there's a few scenes like battle scenes where you can see they've kind of just skimmed a little bit or skipped a little bit on the number of cells but actually it flows and yeah. the, it works do you not know I mean it doesn't yeah it's not one of those where you where you, the shortcuts are like really sort of jarring and noticeable and you get really good quality bits and then terrible bits you know it's it feels consistent and, and you know a few frames yeah. here or there's not really anything to sort of uh to kind of get too steamed about when everything else looks yeah so good, there's, so. there's a few shortcuts but they're they're hardly um you know they're hardly anything uh that detract from it so yeah i mean it was generally because mm. it's interesting this style of animation as well because if you look if you compare the mecha in this to the other ovas we're going to talk about you know it's it's quite clear mm. there were particular styles you know a, a sort of the animation in this i almost i almost think it's kind of soft if you if you know what i'm yeah, saying yeah i know exactly what you mean yeah it, i really do it's it's funny you should say that because that is actually the same word i have in my notes it's sort of soft and, dare I say, kind of like subtle yeah. in places, if that yeah. makes sense. I think that's probably the sort of thing that would only make sense you know. to people who watch a lot of this stuff. But, you know, it's it does have a sort of soft movement about it as well as look. It's, yeah. It's it, it's a strange phrase to use, but I know exactly If you compare you it to the last sort of group of OVAs, you know, when we did the Hirano special, you know, there's a, I always think mm. that's a very hard look. It's, mm. There's a lot of sort of hard edges and... You know, to to everything, yeah. to characters, to buildings, to to mecha, and I think that lends its well to that sort of speed that a lot of the Hirano yeah. stuff has. You know, there's a lot of like stuff where it's almost blinking, you'll miss it because it's so yeah. fluid. It's kind of uh, you need really need your uh, your papers open to kind of grasp everything that's yeah. going on sometimes in those in those and this, and this, you know, the, the animation that the you know the it's not as sort of hard edged. It's you know, there's a sort of softer mm. look to it. You know that there's a, a subtler cut color palette. You know it's it's kind of more deliberate yeah. in a way. Like you know, it sort of wants you to kind of take it in. Yeah, I would say yeah. and sort of linger on the details if that makes sense. And, and as you you know you go through this, this, you know you look back through this stuff, you know, and and it's where it says it's all the same, you know, and it isn't because it's you know there's real it's really you know that, there's real yeah. particular different art styles and stuff to it. Um, mm. And you you do start to see, I think, camps of sort of style and and yeah, you know, studios and particular directors and 
you know, directors and mm-hmm. what, um, you know, mecha designers, you know, they all have their thing. Um, but I think it's just very much a, a very interesting how the aesthetic, you know, the overall aesthetic to, to what Legacium um, mm-hmm. has. It's it's very interesting when you certainly when we'll talk more in the, the other reviews of the, the other two OVAs that we're going to review as well. Mm-hmm. So because um, I think they all actually are quite unique in, in how they look. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Um, and, it, and you know, that's it's the thing is, whether we're talking about, um, you know, whether we're talking about plot, or whether we're talking about aesthetics, or look, any aspect of any sort of OVA, any mecha OVA, or any anime in general, it really saddens me when people sort of say, oh, you know, it's another typical this or that, or it's another yeah. post-apocalyptic story, it's another this. And, and you just think, yeah, read between the lines a bit more, actually analyse a little bit more. You see so many things on mm. the likes of, like, on the likes of my anime list and, you know, all these sites yeah. where there's just absolutely, like, blinkered reviews where they're not really yeah, yeah. looking in, at anything other than the surface of what the actual product is. You know, it's 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 a real shame because I just feel like, you know, critically, a lot of people just miss things when they, they don't really watch things with any depth. They just kind of let it pass by the retinas. <laughs> no, I know. I, I completely agree. I completely agree. Yeah, it's... um. Yeah, it's a real it's a real shame. Um, so this, I think, gets often overlooked. I think the fact that it gets um, a bit of a negative press. Mm-hmm. I think when you when you see it, I've seen this crop up in lists, and the fact that it's obviously the first part of something that was never completed instantly makes it like, well, this must be bad because yeah, it you know. And I think people, even people who've watched it, have gone, oh, it didn't complete, therefore it's bad. Yeah, and I, and I think that's a really blinkered way of looking. It at is. This. It's a very blinkered and bleak way of looking at it. It's like I feel like you know a lot of these people who review review OVAs look at it as kind of you know digging through trash, whereas I'm completely the opposite. I look at it as digging yeah, through exactly. treasure. Yeah, it's like the yeah. old adage: one man's trash is another man's treasure. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I feel like I'm kind of, you know, we're mining this stuff and, you know, kind of putting it on a high altar. And other people are just like, oh, another one for the pile. Bloody hell. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for me, I think this is like, I really like this idea. Mm, same here. Um, you know, for all the reasons that we've just talked about, it's, you know, it does everything right. Um, mm-hmm. It is a real shame that it is obviously not a complete story. But I think as, you know, 48 minutes or whatever of... Mm-hmm you know, good mecha action and a decent story. I think it's, mm. I think it's really, really good. And I think it, uh, to an extent, it does stand up on its own. It does. Yeah. Cause I, I think, think it's, you know, you think of how many movies um, or TV shows never got continued in a meaningful way, which were meant to, and are mm. still called classics, yeah. you know? And it, I just feel like some sort of fans out there, I just kind of, you know, have a different attitude to, uh, to anime in that regard. Cause it really, yeah. You know, despite it not having a true ending, if you like, it just is an entertaining, it's entertaining piece of uh, of animation, and I think that's all you've got to, you know, sort of warrant it on, really. Whether it does the job and keeps your interest, and well, it yeah, certainly does. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, the thing is, ultimately, it does at least tell me. its story. It is, you know, it does complete that first arc of a story. Mm. Yeah, it's obvious that there's more to come, and you can see where the story was going, but it. And it doesn't complete that, but it does complete, you know, that first arc really, really well. Mm. So, um, I mean, I give this an eight out of ten. I really like this, and it's and it for me um, as well as um, it stands. And it was what it was the easiest uh, OVA to rate out of all of them for me. After it's it, the 
you know, the number was there in my mind straight away. And I don't always yeah. uh, come to a rating easily with uh, with some, some shows, but this one was like straight away. I knew what I was going to rate it as soon as the credits rolled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's it's really good. I, I would recommend it. Um, you know, it's just it's just good, solid mecha entertainment. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. I mean, there is actually a. Um, I was meant to mention this earlier. Um, there is actually an art book for this that came oh, out right. in eighty-seven as well. Um, a very very rare book, from what I can gather. It's just kind of got production. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of sketches in it from what I can see um, and you know a few bits of artwork so it's not like I couldn't find an action figure for it like mm-hmm. you know what you were talking about um, before I've, I've never seen that but yeah it did um, it did get a you know, a production sketch art book yeah I must admit I did have a search and see if there even was any model kits available because I really like that design it just uh, is mm. um, kind of understated but very cool as we said and the insect thing that's going for it I really like the way that they've, they've kind of uh, used that very cool so there we go. So there's the first review of this special over. And we'll move on to the next OVA. So our next review is Makiu Gaiden Ladeus or Demon Frontier Legend Ladeus to give it its English title. This was a one episode OVA released on the 1st of December 1987. It was directed by Hiroshi Nagishi, quite a prolific director, especially kind of in the mecha genre. He also directed NG Knight Lamuni and VS Knight Lamuni. He did Sonic Soldier Borkman, Tekkerman Blade and Shadow Skill. So uh, this was a very, very early work for him. This preceded all those sort of sort of very high-profile shows that probably a lot of people in the West are more familiar with. Screenplay was by Hideki Sonoda. Storyboard was by Asamu Nabashima. Music was by Hiroyuki Nanba. Character design was by Ray Aran. Uh, this is his only uh, character design credit, and his actually only other anime credit other than the original story for Fight Ixa One. Animation director was Hideyuki Motohashi. Mecha design was by Hirotoshi Sano, Nobuyoshi Habara, and Takahiro Umuri. The producers were Haruo Sai, Hideo Kawano, and Hiroshi Kato. It was produced by Ashi Productions and Toho. Right as a treasure hunter, along with his companions Spiker and Seneca, they are searching for the eyes of Zalem. Mystical lenses that are supposed to guide them to the treasure known as Rido, a relic from the long-lost Qual civilization, rumored to have the ability to restore life. However, the villainous Kaiser and his henchmen are after it as well. So this, you know, looking at kind of the different 
sort of subgenres within the genre of mecha. Mm-hmm. And this really kind of plays out a treasure hunt story mm. with some mecha kind of thrown into it, doesn't yeah. it? Um, Absolutely. I always feel with this, it's only 45 minutes, um, that it almost feels like there's a bit of a treasure story to lead up to like mm. 15 minutes of mecha action at the Absolutely, end. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. I mean, some people might not even argue it is a mecha potentially. I yeah. mean, it's but when it comes in at the end, it is pretty bombastic. So, you know, hence this covering here. But I think that you're right. If it wasn't for that bit, uh, you know, at the end, it could have, you know, just went in a total direction because there's no real hint of no. the Deus's appearance until the end, really. No, no. So all the way through the beginning, we get this, you know, the Eye of Zalem and this Rido, which, uh, you know, mm-hmm. a power source which Riot wants, you know, it will solve the, the world's uh, energy problems because mm-hmm. this is not particularly well explained, but it's it's like a post-apocalyptic world, yeah. essentially, yeah, it is, isn't yeah. it? Mm-hmm. So you get this, you know, it starts off with, you know, these bad guys hunting down the eyes of Zalem. Mm-hmm. They catch up with Riot. Riot's in this shop, isn't he? It's like this antique yeah. shop and this gets trashed and then, like like in an Indiana Jones film, <laughs> you know, ends up with this this girl tacking along yeah. who's a shop and, you know, he's going to have to pay her back sort of thing. Cause yeah, because he smashed she, she, everything in the store. Because <laughs> she goes like, You've, here's the bill for the damage sort of thing, isn't it? So she yeah. ends up tacking along as a companion. Absolutely, um, yeah. You know, it, it has that real, I think, 80s adventure, sort of adventure film. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, j- just really condensed down into like 40 minutes, you know, mm-hmm. just over 40 minutes. Um, as you said, there's no real hint of Ledeus and the Mecca, probably yeah. for the first 15, 20 minutes of this, until they appear when they're at the, you know, at this uh, temple or whatever, where... The Riddu stores. It's it is strange that because there's lots of mystical things and stuff like that. But in fact, I don't. Is Lydias even on the cover of the uh, of the video? Was he on? No, there? no. Yeah, it's I just didn't a very, think so. It's just like a temple no. and uh, riot and um, and Yuta the uh, the girl. Yeah, and the opening credits just show that the um, Eye of Xylem just kind of rotating or that that mm. lens rotating, don't they? So mm-hmm. there's no hint of it <laughs> at all. <laughs> You know, in the opening, you know, you just get the the title card come up with um, Ledeus on it, and mm-hmm. and that's it. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, all these mecha appear. Um, so Riot's in Ledeus, and then there's uh, Kaiser, who's like the head um, antagonist, uh, isn't he? And and some <laughs> of his hoods turn up in other mecha, and um, and yeah, and then the, the final bit is this kind of battle. And, you know, it's very mecha-focused. Because they spend a lot of time going around in this amphibious craft thing. Yes, um, yeah. Because, as we mentioned, there's, there's Riot and the Spiker and Seneca who are kind of, like, genetically engineered or potentially android kind of life yes. forms. yeah. I don't know really which one They're kind is. of like synthetic human type yeah. things, aren't they? So it's maybe it's kind of one of those things that they are part mechanical, part organic yeah, sort what, of thing. Yeah, because they're called um, planners. Hmm. Oh. Planners, um, and they're made from artificial cells. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and they have their own powers, which kind of get revealed. Um, yeah, they as come well. into play in the finale, don't they? They do. That's where they really come in, um, because from the way it opens, you know, the opening 
bit where these you know the the you know the two kind of henchmen are trying to track down the eyes of Zalem, and the bit where Spiker and Seneca are you know they stop by um, the water and you, they kind of communicate with this big sea creature. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's purely in that sense. It's really like a sci-fi fantasy type thing. Oh yeah, um, yeah. You know because as you say the the sort of uniball craft that they mm-hmm. the amphibious um, vehicle that they travel about in and th- then that monster element you know create mm-hmm. a very yeah there's this sort, sort of, of magic there's there's yeah. myth and magic as well as technology sort of thing yeah yeah that's right um and so you know you just led to believe that it could be anything that's you know fits in that i mean there's a lot of stuff through the 80s where you know that you have the sort of fantasy high uh, fantasy sci-fi hybrid mm. um and it and it, it really feels like that because the bit where after they've met uh Utah and trashed mm-hmm. her shop and they're off to find the the riddle when they're on that journey and you know they meet the the, the two girls meet the, the sea creature and everything there's a, i think there's a really good bit of world building mm-hmm. about this kind of post-apocalyptic land you kind of see these ruins and yeah and stuff and there's a few hints of kind of what's happened before it doesn't go into it but mm-hmm. it it kind of fleshes that out yeah quite well significantly I think. yeah it's it's i mean sorry um like efficiently enough i should say yeah yeah and there's also like a campfire scene isn't there where um mm. the sort of like uh putting up camp for the night and you get a bit of a flashback showing why riot wants the rito Yes, yeah, this uh, sort of bit around his sister. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, it does. It does, as you say. I think it does it efficiently, um, mm. and then and reasonably effectively to, to build that story up. Um, so when you get the the mecha bit at the end, you get this sequence where Spiker and Seneca are like the key to mm. powering up the Ledeus and that's you know, right. Yeah, they actually kind of fuse with it, don't they? And yeah, and power it up. Or go actually, um, they give it its powered up mode, don't they? Because it's already pretty uh, strong, and it's you know, yes, it, but it transforms yeah. into a kind of final form, if you like. Yeah, um, and it, it powers up, um, and it kind of then gets out, you know, the the special weapons, doesn't it? The yeah. the hyper sword and the multi missiles and mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, in that respect, I thought this very much felt like Dungayo. Mm, it does. I mean, even the uh, design has a bit of a barriness to it, doesn't yeah. it? It does, because this is by Ashley um, Productions, and you know Abari did do um, various stuff, you know, with uh, Dan Cougar and, and mm-hmm. whatever. Because this feels like something AIC would have made. Mm. It to does be the look of it and everything. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you look at our um, Hirano special with what we reviewed there, you know, um, Hagani Nooni and Dangayo mm-hmm. and um, Zero Rhymer, this just feels. If you had said this was directed by Hirano and mm-hmm. had Mecha designs by Abari and was produced by AIC, mm-hmm. like you'd be, yeah, 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 I can completely see that. Totally. Um, I mean, the the face of Ladeus is like very. Um, that sort of strikes me as very Abari. He has he has that kind yeah. of like, dare I say, sort of noble kind of super robot face. Yes. You know, yeah. kind of he has that kind of grandiose sort of face. I don't know how else to to explain it, but that's what they look like to me. Yeah, and it's really, really evident in that that last bit. You know, it, it really feels like all the other mm-hmm. Mecha OVAs that were coming out in that sort of eighty six, eighty seven 
88 period you know yeah. it's it really feels a, a part of it it's um it fits right in with it ultimately riot comes out on top and then you know you kind of get this comedy ending with yuta still reminding mm. you know the the, the adventure <laughs> continues and yuta reminding riot that he Slides still owes a, a lot of money <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> so i think it plays that bit you know um and the whole mysterious bit, you know, once they get to that temple and they go down into mm-hmm. it to find the Riddu and, and all that sort of stuff, you know, it's, as I said earlier, I think, it, you know, it truly has that Hollywood, Indiana Jones mm. type adventure yeah. sort of feel to it. Definitely, um, yeah. I mean, because Yuta is, is later revealed to be a descendant of Zalem, there's that kind of typical thing where the villain needs her to open the gateway yes. to Rido, so yes, she yeah. becomes kind of part of the part of the sort of like a plot point you know yeah um but it, it does very much have a sort of hollywood vibe as you say you know there's i think you can really you know going back to a lot of these over years we've mentioned this before and you've re- mentioned it on retro anime podcast as well as you can really see the influence of a lot of hollywood yeah stuff yeah definitely on some definitely. of these productions definitely yeah because like the water elevator type thing you know there's some mm-hmm. really neat little design and animation touches mm-hmm. in it that kind of really lift it i think Oh yeah, definitely um, yeah. Because you know, some, some, there are a few bits that are a little bit rough around the edges, but like yeah, but but maybe that's also because of you know watching it in the kind of VHS rip, you're not getting the full sort mm. of quality. But it, yeah, um, definitely. But yeah. it, it feels like you know when there is something of note, kind of animation and effect wise, it looks really good. Yeah. Yeah, the the sea creature from earlier on, you know, that mm. comes in and plays has a has an impact, helps Riot fight these other mecha and all the rest of it so it's a, a really effective story i think we'll talk a little bit about this when we review althea next um mm. but you know it's kind of a sub story within a bigger story so obviously mm. there's this world and everything else and it it kind of yeah takes this snapshot of a story within Absolutely. it i think um, yeah all three to a degree that we're talking about uh, today are kind of um they have a bit of that in them don't they they do yeah um and, you know, within its sort of 45 minutes um, sort of effective screen time, you know, it just does a a really neat job. It just simply tells a, a you know, a decent and effective story that's mm-hmm. kind of fleshed out enough. You understand the kind yeah. of motivations of everyone um, just enough. Um, mm-hmm. And it kind of concludes properly. I mean, it all happens quite quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like like a lot of these uh, one-offs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, um, um, but it's effective. Definitely. I mean, it's it's... Decent, it's Pearson's decent. It's got plenty of action and intrigue, and it builds to a pretty spectacular finale. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, very much so. One of the things I do find quite funny in this, and you know, just to what you alluded to, that you know, you see this stuff um, when they're walking down through the underground, or down to the underground temple. Mm-hmm. The music that plays there is a rip-off of the um, "Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner" by Iron Maiden. Right, I'm not the most knowledgeable about Maiden's back catalogue and that, but yeah, that's that's quite interesting there. Yeah, there's, I didn't um, there's, a bit, there's a bit through the middle of Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner where it kind of slows right down and uh-huh. they uh, recite the poem against right. like, this background and then it builds up and it is literally that bit of music, <laughs> that breakdown that's... Because Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner is like 15 minutes long and this breakdown's about four or five minutes through the right. middle of the song uh-huh. and it is literally that bit of music, like... <laughs> Um, you know, completely ripped off. You know, there's the odd note that's different to make it different, mm-hmm. but you know, well, it's um, 
it's there. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of rip-offs, did you notice the uh, scene where the gate of Rido is opening? There's a sound effect that sounds very much like the proton pack ignition sequence in yes, Ghostbusters. Yeah. I've noticed that in quite a few OVAs. I've noticed, also noticed the hyperspace noise from the Millennium Falcon in a couple of OVAs as well. Yeah, you know, well yeah. Sorry, not the hyperspace noise, the, um, the kind of ignition noise where Han punches the dashboard when it kind of conks out, that sort of thing. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, that, but the, but yeah this, where it kind of drops and then picks, yeah, because boom, yeah, well, yeah, it's kind yeah. of similar to uh, to that, and and I don't know if these are like very similar sound effects or yeah, they are exactly the same sound effect. It's kind of the proton pack one. I've definitely noticed yeah. in quite a few. In fact, I believe it was in another one we reviewed previously. Yeah, sound effects crop up because mm. you know Lewis and I are going to do for Mecha March are going to do Ariel, and mm-hmm. at the beginning of episode four of Ariel, the um, there's a, a like a door opening it's from aliens basically mm-hmm. there's a sound effect and i can't remember when it's the drop ship's wings open mm-hmm. um or a door opens or something but there's like a mechanical actuation sound and it is literally it is just that mm-hmm. sound effect from aliens <laughs> you know <Yeah>. it's if, <laughs> you know a film i'm quite familiar with and as you know, so every time yeah. i hear it it's like yeah you know <laughs> we all grew up on that stuff didn't we absolutely so, uh, and um, you hear it, and it's like, yeah, that's that mechanical opening sound from Aliens. It, and it's so clear, you know, it's really, really clear. Mm. I think unless you maybe are sort of our age and then grew up with all those films mm. through the 80s, it, it, will, it will be lost on a lot of people. Oh, but yeah, if you've seen, you know, if you've seen the Star Wars trilogy, Aliens, you know, all those sort all of those key sci-fi films. American sci-fi movies, yeah. Yeah, you know, this you'll pick it up all over the place, you know. It's like um, Gundam F91 has the Imperial March from um, The Empire Strikes Back <laughs> in it. <laughs> yeah. You know, literally note for note. Um, yeah. I did uh, notice that one, yeah. It's, that's, that's one that sort of uh, did stick out to us. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's quite funny how they blatantly ripped this um, stuff off. It probably so, is uh, another thing of, um, you know, trying to get this stuff done on a deadline. I'll... I'll I reckon that they yeah. probably look back on it and it haunts them, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. I wish we'd had more time to to compose an original piece or make our own sound effects and stuff, you know. Yeah. It is the sort of yeah. quick and dirty approach to making a lot of these over years and the fact that we're done in a year and, you know, That's less. right. Yeah, I don't know whether... Yeah, I always ponder about that because I always wonder whether it's like they just think, oh, that's a really cool effect. Mm. I'll just use that somewhere. They'll Nobody never know. They'll never watch this. You know. I, I suppose the thing is, in Japan, there's, there was. I mean, I know a lot of these like American sci-fi movies did, like you know, end up in Japan, and but you know, maybe not everybody watched them. You know, maybe like no. in a similar way, it's anime's niche, or <clears throat> or well, yeah, it's, I guess yeah. so less so now, but it's always been a sort of niche thing. And maybe the American sci-fi was more niche, and it was only the sort of die-hard attacky who were going in. Yeah, yeah, watching definitely. that, so thought, yeah. who, who knows if anyone will ever see this? <laughs> but it crops up, especially in OVAs. It, it crops up all the way through the sort of mid to late eighties, mm-hmm. um, doesn't it? So yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, you know, and a lot of obvious sort of film references as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it has a very very good production values. I think you know it's it's decent looking. Is it? It kind of you know as we said with. The, the style of, you know, like an AIC, Hirano, Abari, OVA, you know, mm-hmm. it has that sort of solid um, sort of art style and, mm-hmm. you know, sort of, as you said, there's a few rough edges. Um, yeah, but, you know, nothing generally too, I think it's a pretty good looking OVA. Yeah. And again, character-wise, I think it's, it uh, does what it can do within 45 mm. minutes, you know. Yeah. 
Like characters are often the casualty of these productions, aren't they? Really. Yeah, um, but like you say, you know that engaging enough to get you by. Hmm. You know, as you mentioned that with that flashback sequence, it does enough to give the characters reason and Mm. um, motive and all the rest of it. So, and this type of production, I think it's it's absolutely fine. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. You know, I generally think it's this is a really good example of of how you can kind of execute a story in. You know, yeah. in forty-five minutes, the OVA generally is a pretty good breeding ground for like a lot of sort of tight mm. stories. It's also one for a lot of trash as well, <laughs> but <laughs> but in nonsensical stuff that looks pretty. But uh, yeah, it's you know, it, this, you do get a lot of these of this um, of this kind of vein of this ilk. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, I, I I enjoyed this. You know, mm-hmm. I, it's it's a really easy watch. Um, like I say it does that enough to kind of you know sort of capture you it's it's not kind of got great big gaping holes in it mm. um like i say for me personally it does feel like there's a bit of half the story there just to lead up to mm. the mecha action at the yeah. end and then to that last sort of three or four minutes with the ledeus that powers up mm. um you yeah. know and you get the full weapons attack um you know that definitely <laughs> definitely <laughs> feels like it's all geared up towards you know the mm. money shot so Absolutely, to speak at the, yeah. at the very yeah. end completely you know the the action's really dynamic you know when mm-hmm. Ladea's fate faces off against the three enemy mecha and, mm-hmm. and Kaiser and his henchmen you know, it does look very it, fluid it does look very fluid you know it's a really kind of engaging battle and it's it's what you watch this type of thing for isn't it yeah absolutely yeah. I mean there's loads of cool sort of flight sort of bits where they're sort of flying through the air and collide with each other and that yeah. sort of thing and it's and you, there's some really great uh, attention to detail background work. As as we mentioned, the post-apocalyptic uh, sort of setting, you can see all these kind yeah. of sunken buildings and things as they're flying about. And Yeah, it just looks really kind of really dynamic and sort of, if you'd been falling asleep until that point, this bit would get your attention back. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I would recommend, you know, this is one <laughs> I would definitely recommend going to see, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and seeking out its... It does everything right, I think. Um, yeah, absolutely in agreement, yeah. Um, you know, you do see some criticism saying, well, it's you know, it's short, it doesn't really do very much. And I think that's actually a very short-sighted view. I think they mm. kind of missed the point of... Yeah, really... what this is trying to achieve. Yeah, definitely. And it's interesting for um, Nagishi that, you know, for him it actually was a springboard to go and do a lot of quite high-profile mm. mecha series you know, and Shadow Skill as well, which isn't Mecca, but, you know, it was very, very popular in the West. So, mm-hmm. I mean, all, all the stuff he did, you know, the especially like um, Sonic Soldier Borgman and, mm-hmm. and Tekken and Blade, you know, are, are quite well-loved mm-hmm. yeah. shows and stuff, you know. So, um, very interesting to see this was, you know, kind of what springboarded him into, into getting that. Yeah. Um, because I think it sh- really shows actually he was quite, actually quite a gifted you know, director really, because mm-hmm. the way it does play out and the way it's it's quite succinct, it's quite efficient, yeah. Um, but you know, fleshed out and everything else. I think mm-hmm. actually it was like, yeah, actually here's a guy that's got a bit of talent. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's like you said, this it doesn't really do anything um, that I would say is you know any. There's no cardinal sins here. You know, it's just no. kind of well paced, an interesting enough story wise, and an exciting finale and. I do think a lot of people do give it a rough ride. Um, 
and it's mm. not really warranted because these people weren't trying to break the mold or make something amazingly original or no. you know something that was going to like reload your your mind. It was it's just a case of wanting to have some fun with something that's forty five minutes yeah. long, and it's that's no sin in my book. <laughs> yeah, and and I, you make a really good point there, Craig, because um, you know a lot of the criticism I see when I read other people that have written about this um you know mm-hmm. is that it is very unoriginal um yes there is that argument because as we said it, it could be lifted you could say that any one of about four directors from you know that period in the mm-hmm. mid to late 80s could have directed this um mm-hmm. you know it could have been directed produced by any number of maybe two or three studios that were producing mm-hmm. this kind of content so yeah i mean that it's kind of a in some ways a valid criticism it is really genuinely a product of its time of its time sort of thing um but i don't think it's the the worst for it completely because no. actually it's one of the highlight you know as you say that it did produce a lot of dross this period yeah. and this is one of the highlights in that as well so mm. i totally agree with you yeah i think it's um it just does what it says in the tin and sometimes yeah. that's all you want isn't it really yeah yeah absolutely yeah just you know just go and watch it. Easy entertainment, and you know you 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 will have a good time watching it. You know if you want some simple mecha kind of fun and action with some you know decent animation and some cool looking mecha and a decent battle and all the rest of it, which is purely what you watch these things for often. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's does it all. Sure. So what would you uh, rate it? I, I'd probably say about an eight. Maybe. Yeah, see, I, I'm I'm on the eight with this as well. I think it's yeah. I think this is this is one of the highlights of. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's you know of of the uh, era, especially of the one shots. You know, because mm. there's a lot of stuff you know we ref, refer uh, reviewed, you know, like with um, Bangayo and mm-hmm. um, Zerima. <clears throat> there was a lot of stuff. Ixa one, for example, you mm-hmm. know, there's a lot of stuff yeah. around the sort of three, four, five, three, four, six episode. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff which has got a bit more room to you know develop a bit yeah, more sure. of the story and, and all the rest of it um, but then there's a you know equally there's a lot of one shot OVAs about mm-hmm. um, which significantly vary in, in quality and I think sure. that's the stuff that really really varies in quality and oh yeah and um, like Demons of Steel this is this is one of the highlights I think yeah just tightly plotted and kind of you're all sort of um, all in there really yeah yeah definitely yeah Cool. So that's another recommendation from us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we'll move on to the third review. Indeed. Our final review today is Good Morning Althea. This was a one-episode OVA released on the 12th of December 1987. It was directed by Hideki Tonokatsu 
mainly a storyboard artist. He would go on to direct the Tekken Blade 2 OVA and Hyperspeed Grand Ole OVA. Uh, scripted by Yuko Nakata. Music by Nobuhiko Kashiwara. Character design was by Michitaka Kukuchi, uh, who also did the character designs for Silent Mobius. The producers were Minoru Takanashi and Nagateru Kato, and it was produced by Animate. And as before, never released in the West. Gallery, a young boy who is half crest, half human, and his cyborg companion Nikolai encounter a mysterious young girl. They wake from suspended animation called Althea as they fight to survive against the malevolent automatons. So with Good Morning Althea, we kind of get a different style of Mecha OVA again, yeah. don't we? Because this one is very much the hard sci-fi Absolutely, yeah. OVA, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. Um, quite a different style to things we've reviewed in the in the past in some ways. Yes, yeah. Compared to the previous two, which you know were kind of almost the fantasy... Mm-hmm. mystery um sort of sci-fi and you know like the treasure hunt of mm-hmm. um Ladeus. this is very much hard sci-fi in space yeah um aliens and mm-hmm. you know intergalactic wars and all the rest of it so it's sure. kind of much more maybe what you consider a, a sci-fi mecha ova to mm-hmm. be really yeah. from that period definitely the ova starts off with uh quite a bit of text that kind of explains the background mm. and and everything, and then get these scene depicting a smaller ship, you know, sort of being attacked by a bigger ship and all the rest mm-hmm. of it. Um, and again, it what it does quite neatly is it takes this small snapshot of a story within a context of a bigger sto- overlaid, you know, from yeah. a, a much bigger story, mm-hmm. um, and then focuses on that little bit. So you understand kind of that the you know this intergalactic war and and actually through the OVA that like almost a new threat emerged sort of emerged yeah absolutely you know as you said in your synopsis the ship the uh, Tetraskelon mm-hmm. is uh, being attacked and they're trying to escape this uh, sort yeah. of threat and and then you know you've got Nikolai who's this veteran as you say this veteran soldier and that they go to Jennings who's this kind of like cyborg computer human computer that's thing, right yeah. he's kind of wired into the into mm-hmm. the ship isn't he that's right yeah mm-hmm. and it's um because it, it's kind of like a, a race against time isn't it really you know because mm. there's the the automatons are kind of assimilating everything um, yeah. and the path it's kind of like a sort of mechanical version of the thing you know like it's yeah yeah it's basically like taking everything over and they're they're sort of stuck in the middle of it um so the so they're sort of battling against it and they wake up Alfie and then find that she might actually be uh sort of instrumental in defeating it so what ultimately leads to then is that they have to, because what you find out is that actually the automatons they want the ship because they need bits off it basically mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> to repair their ship. So what Garrily, Althea, and uh, Nikolai have to do is effectively take the fight to mm. the automatons on their ship and defeat them that way, yeah. sort of thing, don't they? So you you end up with this. So as you know, they kind of figure it out. And then once Althea's been woken up, uh, you know, they, they sort of power up and they, they head off. And then you yeah. get this sequence that, you know, the final bit, you know, the sort of second half of the OVA then takes place on the... The other ship, the, the automaton craft, yeah. So the, um, you know, what should be really a, a is an ongoing battle between the Crest and the humans. Actually, this, this Crest ship is now over, taken over by the uh, automatons. And, uh, you know, as you said, this new threat... 
what's quite interesting is that Garrily, like with the crests, they has like kind of new type powers. Mm. Yeah, it kind of feels very much like mm. a, Good a Gundam new type style of uh, thing, doesn't it? Yeah, race. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it fits a hell of a lot into this over here. Like it, it, it sort of sandwiches so much information in about the crest race, about the automatons, about everything, and it's like. There are sort of periods of time where it just kind of stops and then just explains like walls of, yeah. sort of you know, like loads of information. Uh, and one goes a big info dump. Yeah. And kind of back, background and stuff. And for me, I'm not sure like some of that works so well. I kind of feel like, you know, maybe it kind of takes a bit of room away from character development. I think, I still think it does give you a good snapshot of like, uh, you know, a kind of lived in universe. And like you say, mm. like, you sort of, but it does feel much more. Um, the other two OVAs we reviewed, um, they're kind of like you're you dropped in into a story um, where it's kind of filling in the blanks for you, um, and this is the same. But it, for some reason, to me, it feels like there's a little bit too much in this one, mm. a bit too dense, perhaps. I completely agree. The um, the exposition dumps to kind of explain what's going along. Um, I think are, are far too frequent, and mm. like you say, it completely kind of stops the flow of the the OVA. This one, I don't think flows as well as the previous two that no. we reviewed today. Um, it, it does kind of stop start a lot more in it. It's um, it's kind it, of a uh, bit too ambitious, maybe. Mm. I think, like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's the sort of the skeleton structure is quite interesting. Yeah, but it probably does try to fit in a bit too much backstory about the races, and perhaps not enough character development. Um, yeah, but as it goes on, I mean, some of the mythology elements are revealed in a satisfying way, with just enough intrigue to sort of keep you on board. But like I say, it is just like there's just a lot to it. Yeah, because it does feel once they get aboard the automaton ship, mm-hmm. um, it does feel like it kind of rushes through a lot of stuff to explain mm. what the automatons want to do and. Because there's this backstory bit there um, about this sort of forward party that got lost trying to get, mm-hmm. you know, like a you know an advanced infantry group that went on to try and tackle it, and they've lost contact with, mm-hmm. um, you know, were Nikolai's comrades sort of thing, and he finds them and tries to help them yeah. on board it, and, and you know, there's a classically gory in the vein of Idion be evoked gory mm-hmm. sort of scene there, isn't there? Which I yeah. think is, <laughs> which is great. You know? <laughs> Because, you know, this it's quite interesting, actually. I just touched on that. Because in Negusium, there's a... It's, I wouldn't say it's dark, but it's sinister. You know, this yeah. tower thing is quite mm-hmm. sinister. The deus is neither dark nor sinister. It's just no. kind of a straightforward adventure story mm-hmm. with with some cool mecha bits thrown in it. Yeah. Whereas this it's kind is... kind of like hard in places, isn't it? It is quite hard in places. The characters are quite goofy. Uh, Spiker and Seneca are quite... They, they kind of often the... Uh, there's a bit of a sort of light humour character yeah. relief um, mm. in, in with them. Whereas this isn't, it's very much a, a much darker story and yeah. a dark, much it's darker like tone. A in horror it. sci-fi, if you like. Mm. Uh, because the uh, automatons, as, as you say, are really messing people up, you know, assimilating everything. Yes, um, yeah. Kind of reminds me not only of The Thing, but also that episode of Genocide with all the uh, people being assimilated into the aircraft, you know, that sort yes, of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely got that aspect to it um there's little bits again like lily cat which which mm. is basically an alien ripoff but yeah aspects of kind of like the, the alien and the thing ripoff yeah 
yeah, yeah. You know, there's there's bits of that which you can clearly see in um, mm. Althea. But yeah, it rushes along, explains a load, rushes along a bit more, mm. sort of stops and explains, you know, without trying to give too much away, you know, but Althea, you know, kind of gets captured, mm-hmm. starts the assimilation process sort of thing. And again, it kind of, you know, stops at that point and mm. there's a mass, another massive <laughs> sort of info dump there <laughs> while that bit's going on, which, you know, lasts about a minute or so, you know, and in a in the 48 minutes or whatever this is you know it, it kind of takes up a lot of time when it mm. when it does that so it really spoils the flow it doesn't really flow that it, well I don't yeah think. I, I highly agree it's it kind of breaks the creative writing rule of show don't mm. tell you know yes yeah you're supposed to be you should really be kind of trying to I mean it is through dialogue but it's you know you can pace things with dialogue and action and things going on at the same time Rather than yeah. having a character saying, sitting down, almost like, you know, this telling a sort of a campfire tale. Well, there was this yeah. race that... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it does, it does sometimes feel like it slows it to a crawl a little bit too much. Um, not Never for too long, mind you, but it, it does kind of, uh, it does slow things down considerably. Yeah, it's... Because, like, the bit where they um, they suit up and they figure all the, the mechs when mm-hmm. they go, when um, Garrily, Nikolai and Althea go to board the Atomic yeah. ship. I mean, that's quite a cool power-up sequence. Oh, yeah, definitely, uh, yeah. You know, it's got that, like with what I mentioned in the uh, Legacium review, you know, the sort of reflections on the screens, mm. on the visors and the, the tone of that. You know, it's got that yeah. neat little detail in it and everything. All that sort of attacking stuff that, uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that, you know, is very prevalent in the 80s, definitely, yeah. That's the most traditional aspect of um, yes. of Good Morning Althea is these kind of mechanical suits and things because you know most of the most of the mechanical threat in the series is not uh, you know sort of um, either you know robots with the eye or yeah. or like sort of armored suits. It is the sort of mechanical horrors that are the automatons. Yeah, because those spider things as they kind of crawl race down the buildings to attack mm-hmm. them and stuff. You know, it, there is a real as you said horror. You know. Mm element to it you know it definitely was, um it's quite creepy and mm. you know it rushes and it's got some sort of fairly good use of music in that as well mm-hmm. so you know and as uh Garrily and Althea kind of head towards the main computer automaton bit that kind of rushes on that's you know that's quite dynamic and mm-hmm. you know it's quite a an energetic sort of scene and so it does those kind of bits quite well. Um, mm. and, as, and as we said, then it kind of will just grind to a halt while it's like, ah, now we've got to explain this bit. So <laughs> the next scene makes sense, you know, has the context yeah. and all the rest of it. So, yeah, it's very, very strange. It's because um, it goes on about, what's it called? The the T-38, isn't it? This, this, yeah. this sort of head computer of the automatons. It's um, kind of like the brain or the, the core that they need to destroy. Yeah. And again, you kind of get a real sense of Skynet in mm. the way that's explained as well. What we've just talked about in um, the yeah. Deus, and yeah, stuff, you know, again, yeah. you know, there's a real sense of the Terminator Skynet in this, mm-hmm. um, and it's also, you know, with the tentacles as well. We've said mm-hmm. talked about the thing, mm-hmm. you know, that that final scene with, the, you know, is that a kind of body, body horror, mm-hmm. yeah, um, aspect Absolutely. to it as well. So uh, ultimately, they get off the ship. The ending kind of has this almost like shoehorned in, mm. <laughs> like if yeah. only humans and the crest worked together, it could be 
much much better you know yeah sort of hopeful um, kind of um hopeful yeah. kind of uh epilogue if you like yeah um, yeah like a hopeful sort of um well like a wish for the it? future yeah yeah that mm. that final sort of text title card that that states you know and it's it is that kind of yeah allegory to you know if, mm. oh if only if all races all humans work together and yeah, stuff would be you know it's it kind of ends on that really cheesy note. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, yeah. And you know, as as we've talked about, all these OVAs do kind of feel like you know they were they could have been um, part of a bigger series, and it does sort of feel like a tease for more because out here in gallery have this discussion that they'll encounter the automatons again. It's only a matter of time. Yeah, that's right. And what ultimately leads into that final message mm. um, in the OVA, and yeah, it's it snaps. And I think ultimately, in in the way it kind of closes that, it's I probably imagine they were they knew it was going to be a one shot deal on this, but mm. they did enough to say, well, if we do get a return to it, then if we do return, we could carry it on because we've got this lead in into something else. Mm-hmm. But as I said at the very start of the review, at the same time, it's kind of this snapshot of an event that happens within a wider context, yeah, of a bigger story. So I think it does that part of it quite well and probably the best aspect of the writing is is how it it takes that snapshot of the of a, of a bigger story against mm. a bigger backdrop absolutely but how it executes that within the 50 minutes is mm-hmm. yeah it, it leaves a bit to be desired at times because that's not to say that it's bad some of the no. action scenes are really really good mm. yeah they um, really are it's um you know it's it's got some really good uh effects work in this as well like Excellently mm. animated explosion, smoke, smoke yeah, like beam yeah, effects, that sort of thing. Yeah. The mecha action, the animation of the the mecha is really good. Um, I do I do like the the suit design that there, especially mm. Nikolai's heavy heavy armor thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a real neat. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that is really really cool looking because like the ship they come in, the, you know, that scene where it crashes on the automatons um, mm-hmm. craft and all that sort of stuff. I mean, that's. Bits like that, and you know where Nikolai in his powered suit fights those spider mm-hmm. automatons and stuff are really, really good scenes. They're really well executed. Mm-hmm. You know, few minutes of action, mm-hmm. um, and where the forward, the you know advanced um, infantry crew get attacked yeah. um, when Nikolai saves them again. It's a really good few minutes of action. So, sure. um, you know, I think there's a lot to like about it. Definitely, uh, yeah, I highly agree. I, th- I think you know. Again, it doesn't sort of break the mold, you know. Like I think no. that a lot of the uh, harshness online that you get towards a lot of these OVAs are very is a bit short sighted, as you said. You know, it's it's yeah. kind of like they were just trying to make something to entertain audiences, yeah. and uh, you know, don't be so bloody harsh on it. It's it's like <laughs> it is just um, you know, a kind of like I suppose like a bit of like you know, some people might sort of liken it to a kind of fast food over here you know it's yeah it's kind yeah. of like does what it says on the tin and it's sort of uh you know kind of cheap and cheerful and just does what it sets out to do yeah it does and i think what's really interesting if you look at the wider context of where these three ABA sit you know they all came out within weeks of each other so they're mm. all in production and as we said legacium had that very soft look mm. um Ledeus looked very much something that, you know, as we said, a Hirano, AIC, Abari type OVA, which yeah. again looks very different to what Legacium looks like. It's a mm-hmm. bit, it's kind of soft, but not in the softness in the way 
dead. The Gassium <laughs> looks. The Gassium did. Mm. Whereas this has a very, what I, you know, is the opposite. This has a very hard, edgy, you know, mm. very detailed, very hard edge, mm. dark colour palette, very realistic yeah. um, sort of look to it. Mm-hmm. So what you can see is, and, and as we said, it's very hard sci-fi. This um, there's a little bit of magical, you know, when Garrily has to recite that incantation type right, thing yeah. to revive Althea. You know, there's a little bit of that, tiny but, hint of that, in, yeah. You know, as it kind of touches, but it's it's a very small element of it because you understand that this crest race is a much more spiritual mm-hmm. kind of race than the humans is. Yeah, you know, it has that kind of sixth sense type powers that that Mm -hmm. humans don't which obviously probably is part of the background as to why they're at war with each other or something you know but within the mecha genre you know and everyone says it's all the same Mm -hmm. well look at these three ovas and i will demonstrate you that it is not the same thing Mm, absolutely yeah while you know there are there are small things it's this should really underline just how much that is a load of garbage really (laughs) yeah it's it it does frustrate me when I see those sorts of comments, um, especially you know you, you see these comments online and it and these people really do need to scratch the surface a lot. But beyond you do need to do more than scratch the surface and kind of look uh, more at them as a whole. Really, yeah. The common theme here is that you know within these three OVAs, which are all about the same length, as we said, made at the same time, is that they have mecha and powered suits in them mm-hmm. um, that ultimately end up fighting and, and whatever yeah but know. the megan's powered suits are much more prominent in some than the others yeah but the stories ultimately are very different mm-hmm. uh, they look very different you know the context the way the characters, characters are, are developed is, yeah you know is there is a lot of differences in it so um you know there there is a lot of scope and original different originality and approaches to the genre um, mm-hmm. and i think these three ovas really illustrate that I mean, I do really like Althea's look. You know, I do. Mm. I like the way all three of these look. Um, you know, there's lots of aesthetics in them that really appeal. And I do really like that hard sci-fi look. You mm, know, the sort of here, detail yeah. of the ships. Mm-hmm. The very sort of almost, um, I want to say, real world look of the mecha in Althea. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I think it definitely does have that sort of thing going for it. Um, there's so much attention to detail has been put into the mm. designs of everything we've talked about um in this yeah, episode definitely. that it's it's hard not to kind of admire the amount of you know hard work that goes into these things definitely and it really tries to make it you know the physics of what happens and you know how things work and and operate you know it does put a lot of effort um into making that kind of feel tangible mm, yeah i, I want to say you know it's it's mm. nowhere near as fantastical as like the Gussium and yeah um, Le Deusa, yeah know, exactly uh, yeah it's it's very much a space war type thing mm-hmm. um you know and the animation and the artwork and everything really kind of reflects that the characters again much in mm. the same way as we've described with the deus it kind of does enough to explain what they are you yeah garrily this you know hopeful sort like, of gentle boy isn't he yeah, yeah. and uh, nikolai like sort of he's one of these characters who you know he professes to hate Garrily, but actually he's not so bad a guy. He's he, outwardly, yeah. he's, outwardly he's a bit obnoxious. Well, yeah. more than a bit obnoxious, he is a bit of a douche, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but he does. Um, he clearly does care about what happens to him, even though he's always complaining about him. Yeah, and then Althea is this. Um, she's kind of the, the typical hard-headed, 
heroine type. Mm. Gary Lee, towards the end, he's put in a difficult position and, you know, there's the heroics and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's, as we will say a lot before and we'll say it again, it does mm-hmm. enough to kind of, mm. you know, flesh out the characters enough. You understand them, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, where they fit in this whole story and and everything. So, um, yeah, it is what it is. And, and if you watch this type of thing, you just have to accept, don't you? Yeah, exactly. That yeah. This is kind of what you get. Yeah. It's kind of where you see the tropes, the real tropes in this type of thing is in the characters mm. characterization within these one shot AVAs. Yeah, totally. And, and you know, because it dumps so much um sort of mythology background wise in mm. I guess the problem with a lot of forty odd minute OVAs, fifty odd minute OVAs is they don't really have that much time to kind of endear the characters to you. No. Or build them up with any sort of significant kind of personality. You get enough. You're right, you you get enough. And I think Garrily as well, um, as the sort of central character with Althea, you know, you kind of get where the difficulties he's had because he's kind of, you know, as he said, he's, you know, a half human, half crest character, mm. you know, that you understand the difficulties he's had and why he wants to help Althea and put in this situation and why he has that optimistic mm-hmm. outlook for the future sort of thing, you know. Yeah. It's, that, I think, is explained pretty well within the duration of the OVA, so... Um, Absolutely. I enjoy this one. Um, mm. I think probably it's uh, and this a hard one um, yes. to kind of summarise and score, really. I think it's very hard to summarise and score as well. I, I was kind of um, thinking about this only this morning prior to this review, and I'm thinking like somewhere between a 7 and an 8. I'm not sure because I sort of feel like it does get bogged down a little bit in places. Um, it's, it is darker you know, it's kind yeah. of a bit more horror-oriented. It's probably not, not as fun as some of the other ones that we've talked about on the show. Yeah. Um, maybe like a 7.5, something like that, 7? I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm hovering around the 7 on this. Mm, the, I'd say a 7, yeah, actually. No, yeah, I well. think it's... A, part of me, and this is where I, I really struggle, because I think in terms of, like, the story flow, uh-huh. I think it trips... Yeah, you know, it, it trips does, up. There's a few... Missteps, isn't there, yeah. Missteps along the way. And the way it leads into this kind of really gushy ending. Mm. Bits I kind of struggle with it like that. But then I do really, you know, those action sequences that I mentioned, I do really like. Mm-hmm. I really like the way it looks and the, the look of the mecha and, mm-hmm. and and those bits of it. So I I struggle because as there's, there's much as the bits that I don't like about it or mm-hmm. just equal in the bits that I really like about it. Yeah, I'm the same. It's it's it is very much split down the middle in that way for me, yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm kind of between the six seven mm. kind of mark on it. Mm-hmm. Um again, I think I would recommend this. I think it, mm-hmm. it it it's a worthwhile watch. And if you're really into like the hard sci fi stuff, mm-hmm. um You'll get something out of it. You'll definitely get something out of it in that respect. The way it depicts this stuff in space. Whereas the other two are very, very, you know, planet, land-based yeah, land based, stories. Definitely, yeah. This all happens in space, so mm-hmm. and, and that and that's where this is demonstrates the spectrum, and you know, is is a good sort of foil to the other two in that respect. So you know, I, I really like that aspect to it. Um, you know, and if you like films like Alien and Aliens mm-hmm. and and that sort of thing, then I think you'll really, yeah. you know, you'll love this. Yeah, definitely, you'll get a lot of it. But I don't think it tells its story as well. No. As the other two do. Perhaps more of a showcase for, you know, nice designs, action and that sort of thing. And it's always interesting. If you look at the director, Tonokats, he's only got a couple of other 
um, director credits yeah. that came much later as well. You know, he hasn't got a lot of very high profile. So, you know, again, this was quite early on. I don't think he, again, I think this might have been his first director credit um, mm. as well. So, I mean, Tekkerman Blade is an okay sequel. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not as good as Tekkerman, yeah. which, you know, the original. Hyperspeed Grandol, um, I've seen, I've got the uh, CPM disc of that. Uh, I've watched it a couple of times, but not in a while. I mean, it, it's it's a fairly decent. I actually quite enjoyed that. Um, not seen that one myself. Yeah, I mean, again, it's a kind of standard late 90s, three-episode mm-hmm. OVA. I can't, again, it's like 96, 97 mm-hmm. sort of time, I think. So, I mean, again, it's okay. You know, he's not a standout director, you know. Yeah. Most of the work he did in anime was mainly storyboarding. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's not a surprise that... Um, in terms of directing the story. Yeah, it's a bit like when you get yeah. a, a music video director who makes a movie and it looks like a long-form music video. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. It does enough that I would say go and see it. It's definitely not mm. one that I would say, you know, completely Skip. steer clear mm. unless you're, you know, you're an ardent <laughs> fan. But I think this one will be harder to go back to. Yeah, it's, than... not, some more, it's not something you're going to be re-watching again and again. But no. also you would get something out of it if you like some of the stuff that we mentioned previously. Mm, definitely, definitely. So, um, before we wrap this review up, I, I do want to correct something, which uh, a statement I made in our introduction. So, uh, I did say that this wasn't in the Super Robot Chronicles encyclopedia, and actually, it is. Uh, but I just didn't appreciate where it was in the book. So, the book is quite logically laid out, but you do have to go and look for stuff in mm. it because. Often there will be movies and stuff that happened later in panels within. So, yeah. for example, like Votomes has the, all the OVAs and things like Merrilink mm-hmm. are all contained within. It covers about six pages, but it does the TV series. And even though you know the OVAs came out over the next five years or whatever it is, um, they're all within. That they're not particular... spaced out chronologically. They're all yeah, grouped section. together. So. You know, it does section stuff, so you do have to go and look for stuff sometimes. Anyway, between we've actually recorded, you know, there's a bit of a gap between recording. Um, I had the book out looking for something else, and I just happened to open it at a page. In the back of the book, it has just like a, a listing, mm-hmm. chronological listing, which, not being a native speaker and, and flicking through it, when I bought the book, which was nearly 20 years ago, assumed it was just everything that was in the main text. Yeah. Anyway, I had noticed in my what I've learned about mecha anime since buying the book, you know, there were the odd omission from it. Anyway, I opened it up and it flicked open on this page, and one of the things I saw was Assemble Insert. And Assemble Insert doesn't have a panel within the main text, but Assemble Insert's obvious because in Japanese it's written in English as Assemble Insert. And I thought, oh look, it mentions Assemble Insert, so I opened it up (laughs) because there are three or four things things that I know of that are definitely missing from you know don't have a panel in the in the or page in the main text and I was flicking through it and lo and behold there's good morning out there because in the text for the uh out there is written in English so good morning is written in can um actually in katakana um mm-hmm. and then it's in so it's pronounced good morning out there but in Japanese but the out bit is written in English mm-hmm. flicking through lo and behold it's there so um <laughs> Typical. <laughs> you know, typical, isn't it? So it is in there. And actually, the few other things that I thought were missing from the book are actually in that text. 
so it's just a say it's just a text listing so I guess you know not being a native reader I, mm. I kind of dismissed it because it's like well I, I guess it's just I think you can definitely be excused with, for that one yeah you know because it just <laughs> literally all it does it has a column with the year a column with the date that it either the first episode was released or the mm. OVA or the first episode or whatever was released and then it has the title then it has a box with some notes in it and it's you know literally maybe a couple of sentences or brief notes so again as i said it's all in japanese so i'd kind of dismissed it and and really always concentrated on the main context and when i sort of translated to learn what the names of all this stuff so i could go and watch it is i completely ignored this this thing at the back but <laughs> yeah to, to my error it would seem to my error so um the second one as well i need to go back um the second volume and, and go look in the because it's the books laid out in exactly the same way. See if there's um, any more hidden gems. See if there's in anything there. more in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, on those books, actually, one thing I, I will say: um, one thing I did learn uh, again fairly recently, maybe in the last couple of years, is that um, the people that made those books did them for um, like Super Sentai and Tokusatsu oh, right. encyclopedias as well. So if you're interested in that and there are books similar because I think they're fantastic books because of the way they laid out um you know they they've certainly been my bibles for the last 20 mm. years so um you know if you're interested in that I'm sure there's gems and some stuff that you possibly maybe have missed um or some information so yeah go and check those out well that brings us to the end of these reviews which mm-hmm. I think has been you know a very interesting broad Definitely. look at some OVAs absolutely yeah yeah, it's been been good talking about those. Yeah, absolutely. Um, good good talking to you, but another another good discussion. <laughs> and then hopefully, folks, you know, we've kind of brought you, you know, a bit of diversity to the yeah. metal genre. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because we have done a lot of real robot, a lot of super robot. Um, yeah. And this, these have got like, you know, there's a nice sort of smorgasbord of different things in here. You know, there's a nice mixture of, of different elements to these over years. So, yeah. And with what we're going to cover with Mecha March, um, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to tell you what we're going to review here so that you go and seek out <laughs> Anime Heads Retro World, mm-hmm. you know, what you're going to cover in your blog and the podcast Lewis and I do on Retro Anime Podcast. But, you know, hopefully across, you know, the three platforms, we're going to give you a, a fairly broad picture of, of Mecha Anime. We'll, you know, we, I, I will say that we are going to just do OVA, so we're going to, mm-hmm. we're going to keep a, you know, a synergy across the three platforms by just reviewing OVAs. But yeah, hopefully it really kind of shows that much, much broader context of yeah. the type of stories that you see with, um, within Mecha Anime. Absolutely, because you know, the thing is, is that people get bogged down on whether what type of sort of robot genre stuff it is, but it's the stories as well. You know, they can have... Yeah. You know the same sort of. You can be real robot. They can be super robot. They could be a mixture. They could. They could have like you know powered suits that sort of thing. But yeah. it's the stories that matter at the end of the day. And I think yeah. that's what people need to kind of take on board when it comes to the diversity of the mecha genre, as yeah, well as definitely. what type of show it is. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, very well said. Very well said, Craig. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that sentiment.
So thank you very much for listening to this Mecha March Retro Mecha Podcast Special. As we said, under our umbrella title of uh, Retro Mecha Anime World, uh, as I say, we're presenting this across all three of our respective uh, sort of creative platforms. I do want to say, again, thank you to Alan of um, Professor Irony on mm-hmm. uh, Twitter for another outstanding bit of uh, cover art as yeah, he's done fantastic. for the other podcast. Absolutely brilliant, yeah. Yeah, he's a very, very talented artist. So um, Yes, cheers, yeah. Alan. <laughs> yes, th- thanks again. Again, outstanding. Finding Professor underscore irony, I think it is on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. um, so, uh, you know, if you want some commissions, um, you can go check out his other artwork. Uh, you know, very, very talented uh, artist. So, Absolutely, he um, is, yeah. Right, so where you can find us? You can find us, Retro Mecha Podcast, at Retro Mecha on Twitter. Um, you can find this podcast on most podcast hosting services. You know, we're on Spotify, SoundCloud, on Amazon Music now. So, you know, wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes or whatever, CastBox, just search for Retro Mecha Podcast. We also have a blog that is uh, retromechapodcast.wordpress.com. So we put up uh, book and model reviews and that kind of stuff and, and that on there. So so please check that out. Greg, tell us where we can find your blog. You can find me at Animeheads Retro World at WordPress.com. So again, and on Twitter, we can find you at Animeheads Retro. So please check out that and my other podcast, Retro Anime Podcast at Retro Anime on Twitter, and found in exactly the same places as this. Uh, we're both on Anime UK News forums. Mm-hmm. My username is Organ, and Craig, yours is Scrambled Valkyrie. I must admit, so, I'm not on there very much of late, but uh, but if I'll get back to you eventually, <laughs> if you send us a message. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, plenty of uh, various avenues to get in touch mm-hmm. with us and, and find our content. So mm-hmm. on that note, uh, it's been great actually to have done Mecha March this year, Craig. Hasn't yeah, it? fantastic. Yeah, we totally uh, dropped the ball in it last year, but glad to glad to have done it this year. <laughs> so all the uh, content we're producing for Mecha March will come out. Uh, across the the month of March so you know just keep an eye out on Twitter mm-hmm. and, and whatever so um, we'll be hooking in with uh, Scott and Lita who I think is doing stuff for Mecha March as well mm-hmm. uh, Lita sure. Kano so yeah and there we have it um, indeed so, yeah. another episode in the bag another one in the bag indeed <laughs> Craig indeed right and on that note we'll say goodbye yep signing out bye bye everybody The opening and closing theme music to the podcast is Molten Alloy from Purple Planet Music. All other music used within the podcast is copyrighted to its respective creators.